show with Richard Talk to Me Guy and Sherry Edwards. Good morning, Sherry. Good morning. We have such a special guest. Well, you guys know her because we try to have her on every time she has something new to talk to us about. Then we discovered we'd have her on every week if that was the issue. So <laughs> Jill Madsen's going to be with us and she's just going to bring us um, an incredible amount of new information about color and music and artistry and history and bioacoustics. I love Jill. She's such an authentic person. I don't know if I want to say that because I'm not quite sure she's human. I think she's a sprite, (laughs) a little tinkerbell, but she's very, very authentic. She's very, very prolific. She's a musician, composer, writer, artist, speaker, workshop leader, and I could probably go on and on. Uh, our audience love her, and we will be with her in just a few minutes. We're being sponsored today by the Institute of Bioacoustic Biology and Sound Health. We're located in Ohio. We're a very large research center. I want to tell you something that happened right before the show. Uh, it was so hot in here, and I was getting a headache. So I stopped everything I was doing to prepare for the show, and uh, ran my own vocal print, and it said it was a tight jaw muscle, the pterygoid. So I put the frequencies on my little magic machine for the pterygoid, and my headache, my whole uh, shoulders just relaxed, and my headache's going away. I'm still too hot, but um, I, I just think without bioacoustics, I would be lost. I'd run for an aspirin or something if I didn't have this information that we bring out uh, here all the time. We had a really interesting case last week of narcolepsy, and we found out that it's a hypocretin, and it's uh, associated with how the body gains weight or not. So she'll be back next week, and we'll be able to report on that, but I think that is a serious, serious issue for some people. And we found it and decoded it, and it's associated with restless legs, and so we've decoded all that and have that. For people who want to take our classes, we just had a a great, uh, we called it a two-day class. It's really the technician class, but we broke it up so people could take it in the evening. And that was just a wonderful class, and it was on Alzheimer's, and I think that is greatly needed. We're being poisoned so much. Now, uh, our brain's being poisoned, and I think everybody needs that Alzheimer's um, evaluation and what people need by brain nutrients. So I'm going to see to it that that's put up on the portal, soundhealthportal.com. It's not up there now, but it will be um, in a few days, I hope. So everybody can go have their brain and their brain nutrients tested. Okay, I feel like I've said enough. Richard, I know you have some announcements, <laughs> things to tell our audience. Uh, well, first, I want to remind, I, I know, because Jill and I have already been talking backstage, and it's always a great show when Jill's here, because she's just so, she's just an amazing, you know, just in her knowledge alone, it's always mind-blowing how she ties things together and knows so much is always fun. And you're going to want to listen to this show or tell your friends about it later. And the easiest way is about 10 to 15 minutes after the show is over, you can go to soundhealthoptions.com, click on the radio tab, and then click on the blog talk archive player, and you'll find the last five shows there. And or you can go to iTunes or Dogcatcher or Pocket Casts or 
I don't know, Podomatic. I forget what the others are. There are many podcast aggregators, basically just software to gather your podcasts of your choice. And search for Sherry Edwards. Oh, Stitcher. That was the one I was trying to think of because that's a free one cross-platform. And search for Sherry Edwards and you'll find the over 600 shows. 625? 50? I don't know. It's a lot of shows. And this one will be at the top. The podcast aggregators take about an hour or two after the show is rendered. Um, But it's a great show. And then you can also share it with your friends with all those aggregators that I mentioned. Then I do have a couple of short enough. Well, one's not going to be. I'm going to try and make it as short as possible. Uh, about the the title of the article is "Consumer Product Safety Testing Overlooks Cancer Risk from Exposure to Multiple Chemicals." What that means is that everyone is exposed to a mixture of many chemicals every day. Toxic soup, I call it, or toxic load. Federal and state health agencies look at safety testing for only one chemical at a time. The effects of individual chemicals in these daily mixtures add up, but at the moment, federal agencies such as the EPA and Food and Drug Administration do not determine the safety of chemicals on the basis of the aggregate effects. So they might look at glyphosate, they might look at, I don't know, any kind of plastic-based goo that we're exposed to, estrogen mimicker, and they might look at them individual, but they never look at like, oh, what happens when you mix these two together? And every day, we are walking bags of mixed together. And there's absolutely no research on that. And I would say under this uh, current uh, EPA administration, with Scott Pruitt run amok, that's a whole separate show, Uh, I don't see the likely of this coming out, but it's just something to be aware of. And there are consumer alerts out talking about this very issue that there's no look at, you know, we have plastic additives and methyl parabens, you know, that's commonly used in cosmetics. Nothing. Or even the PFOA, really nasty stuff, a nonstick chemical formerly used to make Teflon, and it's in other things as well. But there's no looking at the toxic soup in which we live. It's just one thing at a time, which is amazing. I'm certain there's a lobbyist involved there somewhere. That's just my opinion. And then the other one is, just so we remember, Monsanto is about to go away. The brand Monsanto. Because Bayer somehow managed to pull this off. They started in 2016, I think, to buy Monsanto. And so the Monsanto brand will go away. Okay, it's gone now. It's all better. Now, now Bayer will just be doing what Monsanto has been doing all along. Bayer will continue to, you know, they'll give us aspirin for the pain created by glyphosate. I don't know. It's all amazing. But, you know, now Bayer will be the brand. And Monsanto will go away, and it's like other operations like Blackwater or, you know, what was Philip Morris called or, you know, any of these other, you know, amazing things where they just disappear. That brand, okay, that brand's gone. Products are not going away. Glyphosate, not at this time. Other countries are getting it. We still seem to be slow on the uptake. So I'll post both of those in the show notes and in the chat. And uh, those are my two current announcements. Do you have more you'd like to say, Sherry? I'm good. Okay. Jill Matson is a prolific artist, musician, and author. She's a widely recognized expert and composer in the field of sound and color healing. Jill has been sponsored in art gallery openings all over the country. Her vivid colors and healing nature of her work is unique in the artistic field. She's a color therapist and expert in matching frequencies of colors with emotions and physical issues. Jill has produced nine musical CDs with intriguing magical tracks using ancient and modern techniques with special healing frequencies to achieve profound benefits. She also has authored three amazing books. Jill is just amazingly prolific. It's really stunning. Uh, Jill offers an online sound and color healing school. 
She presents new ways of approaching health and everyday issues using the benefits of sound and color. To review Jill's wondrous collection of CDs and books, as well as her free music and school of sound healing, visit jillswingsoflight.com. Welcome, Jill. My goodness, thank you for such a wonderful welcome. And my gosh, my head's going to get big. you got to stop that. <laughs> thank you for your kind That's words. All right. it, your, your head may need to get bigger because you have so much information. It's always amazing how we were already chatting backstage. You're just like, wow, it's great. So I have kind of – I'm not going to give you any – we're just going to dive right in. So anybody mm-hmm. who wants to know more about Jill and hear previous shows we've done – just go to those sound archives, and we've done numerous shows with Jill, and it's always fun. I want to ask a sort of a sideways opening question mm-hmm. about referring to, in my case, total, talking about total toxic load, and or then what I was talking about from the uh, issue with changing the names and or the, both those announcements. So total toxic load, environmental pollution. Roundup, EMFs, imbalanced light excess, etc. Versus the sounds of nature or silence—a shocking concept. Um, is there hope for us? Can we, you know, if we take advantage of nature sounds and perhaps occasional silence, and your CDs, can we come back from all that? Can we help balance some of that yes. stress, t- yes. total toxic load out? Good. Yes. The ancient people based all of their healing on nature. Um, Nature was God incarnate. It was his baby, and therefore it had all his DNA and genetic line. So they looked at nature differently than we do. They didn't look at it in terms of chemistry, which they didn't have a word for, physics or biology. They looked at nature in terms of what they had. And these, the early, early histories and the early, early people would have been maybe not homo sapiens, or at least they had histories of very early beings that reportedly, according to the lore and legends, were clairvoyant, clairaudient, clairsentient. So it's like they were perceiving a different range of frequencies than we are. You know, our, we have our sight and our hearing pretty much. And they would have had a much higher band. So they would be able to see that something like a word could be poisoned or that um, a, a geometry figure in nature could heal this specific illness that you have. And it dovetails like right on with Sherry's bioacoustics. Because in bioacoustics, what Sherry does, she does exactly what the ancients does, but she adds to their mastery, the computer, and she gives you her clairaudient gift. And um, I am so grateful, and I'm sure the world is so grateful, or will be when they realize what they have here, to receive this gift where they can look at nature, they can look at the body, not in terms of chemistry, biology, or physics, but in terms of Um, frequencies and underneath them are cycles per second and underneath that are numbers just like the ancients did that's exactly what they did and they just they didn't they weren't scientists in that they were trying this hypothesis and that and testing it no 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 they just looked at nature heal itself and copied it and it was very 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 expedient so the the earlier people with their clairvoyance and their clairaudience they could see that the body heals in nature and then they would be able to you know pull out pieces of nature like saying this herb is good for this you know out of balance or sick issue and so they they set the like the framework for the ancient healing that got passed down through um the different um ages but nature's still there and um, today with bioacoustics you can see we're even taking nature and adding um, computerized data banks copying her just like the ancients did and wow and then the other thing is is that the consciousness of the people um, I'm doing this class coming up on um, karma burning and ancestral healing 
And one of the things that became really acutely aware to me during the process of putting this together was that the earth that my parents lived on and I was a child in, it's not the same as it is today. And because I'm the same person, I have this temptation or easily fall into now judging, let's say, my parents on today's standards. And that's so unfair. Um, And it's so hard for me to see that because I'm so close to it. But I'll give you an example. Um, I don't know. My parents always beat us when we did something wrong. It's kind of like when, when, you know, your dog, you get a new puppy and it pees on the floor, so you smack it. You don't tell the dog ahead of time, don't pee on the floor. It just learns by getting smacked. Um, and when I was little, the, the, the phrase was spare the rod and spoil the child. And I used to think as I got older, oh, you know, kind of suck my thumb and feel sorry for myself. And, and when as a child, I would look at other families and think, well, they don't have these problems. But as an adult, I've talked to them all, my cousins, all my friends. Everyone had the same problem. That was, that was the way it was. And so something like evolution, it's not just us. It's, it's the consciousness that comes and unfolds by the earth as a whole. So the people in the mothers at, at the age of my mother, they're doing what was acceptable. And, in fact, it was probably a step better than their parents. Let me give you an example. My mother could could dish it out, and like my one of my sisters was in counseling until she was sixty, so she could really dish it out. But when she was passing, I found her diaries, and oh nosy me, I read every one. And here I saw this beautiful child, um, very sincere, and she just got the crap beat out of her by her father. And then my and I saw her I saw her light go out, if you will. And then I was angry for a while at my grandfather. And I had a little out-of-body experience, and I went into him as a child. And I saw that he got beat up ten times worse than my mother ever did. So he actually gave her a blessing. He made things better than what he had it. And then my mother made things better than what she had it. And so I think Consciousness is something like if if you believe in reincarnation, you know, um, we come in generation after generation and we just keep trying to upgrade it a little bit. But there's a whole lot out there to upgrade. And I believe that many of those nasty lines of consciousness, you know, they're wrapping up. You know, I probably spoiled my children. I certainly didn't beat them. So that ended with me. And, of course, a new problem begins. But, um, and I think that when you look at the, 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 the culture, the thinking, the mass thinking, which is so influential, and we're being influenced and don't even know it, that slowly as, as certain individuals rise up, make a stand, make a change, and, of course, if they could open their hearts and forgive those before them who created this energy that we inherit I would say in, in cultural ways in her DNA, we inherited in chemicals in the soil and we can start to forgive and transmute. And I think the, the, the sign of our times is that all our crap's coming out and it's time for us to deal with it and not hide it. And it's, it's time to make or break it, to um, transmute, forgive, heal, speak your truth change the consciousness of the past without anger for the past because who knows you, you, you had me in, life. you had me you you completely had me until without anger <laughs> i was totally there i know i'm I know. really in a bad mood so now how I know talk you're to angry. us about i know i know we talked about anger is negative um, so how do we what do we use to to really engage in the transmutation i'm a big fan of the theory of love the hate because i know that hating doesn't create anything it just Mm -hmm. creates more bad vibe i'll call it that Mm -hmm. whereas i know love Mm -hmm. is ultimately the most powerful thing so how do we transmute this how do i transmute my (laughs) rage i'm uh, rage is strong 
Rage is a negative emotion, but, but use right. rage. Rage, okay, although it's negative, it would be nice if we didn't have it, but it's very good that you see it because it's there. So use your rage as good as you can. It's a motivator. So use your rage as like fuel for your engine, but you don't want to go out and hate on those that have done hateful things. I mean, you can, and um, but the, I think the thing is to embrace the positive, to be the positive, to stand up, to get in their face without going down to their level. Or, you, you know, even um, like Sherry can understand this because she can, she can hear things you and I can't hear. So she can hear a group of people lying or maybe not even purposely lying, just unconsciously lying, maybe just puffing up their chests or something. She can hear that dissonance. So she can know the difference between harmony and dissonance in people. And simply by abiding in the harmony, she influences them. And it's all done unconsciously. Think that you can go to um, a nursery and feel uplifted or a, a, a daycare and feel uplifted or to um, a nursing home and feel down. We're not separate. So we are like a radio antenna. And it's, it's about seeing all the ugly things and they're coming out in spades. And calling the spade, standing up, having that courage, and there's where the rage comes in. That then becomes your motivation to stand up and say, hey, I think this is best. And to do that without getting entangled in the ugliness you see, without becoming that. So while you're Mm -hmm. still able to have, we all of us, all of us have some of these lower vibes, which we all do. There's no one who doesn't because we simply abide here on earth. We have them. At least use them to our advantage. Mm-hmm. Since we mm-hmm. got them. Yeah. Well, and, I think I, I can't, I think it was, um, I've heard Caroline Casey uh, say this much more articulately than I'm about to, but there is this kind of, I'll call it theory. It's more of an observation that if you want to get people to get nothing done, get them into a contentious state. And that seems mm-hmm. kind of what's going on is rather than being in the harmony of, well, in harmony, period, uh, that if you get them in this constant battle state where he said this and I said that and it's fake and it's not, and you know, it's just all about the, if you, if you hate a hater, that's just going to give them more energy. Whereas right. if you love that hate, that's going to not give them what they're looking for. And that's going to make right. them kind of, you know, blow a charge, as I, I think is what I'm looking for. And, and here's two things to say on that, and let me forget them both. One is about piano octaves, don't let me forget. Um, the second was, here's an ancient technique. This has um, got to be 5,000 years old. Um, if somebody, let's say, is angry and they're throwing insults and hateful words and, you know, you just feel awful being or even in the rooms they've been in, um, you can take that energy, for it's just energy, and like give it a sound, like uh, whatever, it doesn't matter what the sound is, and then take it up an octave, and then once you reach the top of your vocal range, do it in your imagination, and keep going up and up and up till you see the earth, until you see the galaxy, and as you take it up in your imagination, that's all that's required, that hateful feeling is going to change. And the further up you can imagine it, the more beautiful it becomes. For it's like in your imagination, we live in a multidimensional world, and, and sound and thought, anything is, is, a, is a portal. And so it goes up, it goes out of the second dimension where there's such a thing as negativity, and it becomes beautiful energy. And then you just feel that and absorb it and take it in, and then kind of like, you know, let your imagination go and come back into the room. And what you've done is someone who's intending ill will towards you, you've now taken that hateful energy, transmuted it into something really good. Ha, ha, ha. And you can say thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, how cool is that? That's Ancient great. technique. That's great. And yeah. 
And then here's the thing on um, octaves that I want to, if if you look at the mathematics of sound, like an octave is a doubling of a frequency approximately. So if you have two cycles per second, an octave would be four. An octave of that would be eight. So in these cases, you know, the difference in that last one was four cycles per second or four units of power, we'll put it that way. Now, if someone like you, Richard, I'm just going to make up a number. Let's say your average soul, physical body, thought, emotional fields, let's say it averages 500 cycles per second. Now, if you go up an octave, you're now at 1,000. So there's a 500 unit of power difference in an octave. We're on the lower vibes. There was only, let's in that one example, only four. So when someone like you stands up and says, this is wrong and doesn't become, doesn't become that awful stuff, but becomes the living embodiment of the corruption, um, you know, let's say that helps you to step up from 500 to 1,000. Now you're a force that the world has to reckon with. And you may not see that in your everyday life, but it's just math. I mean, there is a global town, there's a community average frequency. Um, that's why places feel differently. That's why people go to sacred sites because the, they're added to the, to, to the land, to the, their, their thoughts and their feelings, and it feels good. Or if you go to Auschwitz or Gettysburg Battlefield, it feels terrible, and you can almost feel what they felt in their moment of horror. And so, you know, we can't see, like, like we can't hear like Sherry does, but um, the influence you have is far more than you can consciously grasp because we only have the five senses generally. So what you do is more significant than you're aware of, is what I would say. Hmm. I would like to, tell, I'd like to tell a story that leads into this from my own life and was very profound in changing how I look at negative energies. Uh, in school, I had this irrational hatred or bad feelings about Hitler, and I couldn't understand it. I couldn't hardly stand to read about it in school. But did, we did a past life regression, and this came up uh, about Hitler. And it ends up that one of Hitler's um, commanders was someone who abused the me, the person going through this past life regression when I was about 15 in another lifetime. And I recognize this Hitler commander person as somebody I really disliked in this life. And so in this past life regression, they're asking, well, go to your higher self and, and see why you did this, why you had this lifetime. And it was about compassion and teaching the world compassion. Well, that helped me look at Hitler a little bit differently. And, but I couldn't care about Hitler. They took me back to, okay, he's 20, he's 10, he's 5. I couldn't care about Hitler until I saw him as a baby in a bassinet. And it changed my perspective. But the biggest thing that happened is I confront in the past life regression, I confronted this commander who was abusing me. And I said, how could you do that to somebody uh, an innocent person. He said, don't you remember? We needed to teach the world compassion, and you could not stand to be the abuser. And so I took that role so you didn't have to. Mm. I was flabbergasted at what kind of floodgate that opened. So... <laughs> Past lives, I think, past energies are somewhere embedded in our genes, in our history. Can you say um, things? Um, can you say things about this? Because I read between the lines in your Lost Waves of Time that there's reincarnational stuff going on. 
Yes, I I believe that energy is never created nor destroyed. And once we kind of jump into the wave pool, this is just my opinion of Earth, I feel like it's like we start a thread line. So, um, you know, in this life, well, here's an example. Um, my My girlfriend was an Italian, and they were like second generation, and they everything was family, kind of like almost like in those mafia movies, only they weren't. Um, crooks or anything but it you know the the son rose and sat on the family and there was a the mother who came over from Italy and they almost worshipped her anyway she passes and later on my girlfriend has a daughter and we're walking in a park that happens to be a cemetery and the little two-year-old runs over to her grandmother's grave and says oh look mommy this was me when I was older and I, I really believe that there's a lot to that. So she's going to inherit genetic pluses and minuses. And some of them are going to be from her grandmother, who is her. So, you know, we might want to point a finger at those um, before us, but we need to be pretty careful because those are us. And to me, my thought is that when it comes to ascension or rising or I mean, do I really think I'm going to ascend and um, leave all, all this mess that I made in all these past lives? I mean, it's like a, it's like a big ball of string down here. It's one big knot. And if I can lead a good life, then I, I extricate one string, but I'm still attached. And here's a little exercise everybody can do. This is kind of fun. Just kind of imagine that you're like a rocket ship and just want you to imagine going higher and higher and higher. And I want you to look behind you like when you're in this rocket ship and see if there's like a wave behind you, like you're a motorboat going straight in the air. Now, when I do that, I have this huge wave behind me. And I, I believe that I, if I did not, if I was not tied to all of the other energies going on in some unconscious way, if I wasn't somehow part of the whole down here on Earth, that I would shoot up without any wake. But it's almost like I can't shoot up, I can't ascend, I can't leave this planet yet because there's so many others to me right and left that need healed. And on some level, that is me. And um, so when we are doing service, um, it's really not a selfless thing. It's a, it's a service to all of us. It's a service to us. And I also feel that um, when it comes to other planets, you know, like people always talk about and say, oh, I'm an Octorian or I'm with the Syrians or I'm Pleiades. You'll love this, Sherry. If you look at the frequency of their orbit, little physics formula, you'll find that all the planets that we talk about here on Earth have a reciprocal relationship with Earth. So if Earth is blue in our orbit then um, Octorians are orange. So the planets that are here, hopefully helping us, um, are tied to us in frequency. And it's kind of like we're a seesaw. We go up, you know, I mean, we, we ascend or descend. We impact each other. We're, we're connected here on Earth, but we're also connected above on a larger scale. And the people, hopefully, these planetary beings coming here to help us, the ones coming here to help us, it's the same deal, you know. When they help us, they help themselves because ultimately we're connected. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think we're – how can we not be connected? I don't know. This could lead into a whole different kind of show because it's talking about the quantum field, and that's like a whole different conversation. I mean how can we not think that we're not connected I don't know. That's that seems narcissistic to think. Oh no, we're not connected. No, we seem all connected to me. So, yeah, the idea it it kind of goes back to that theme of you know love is more powerful because it brings unity because we're all collected connected anyway. So why not be connected? What's that? Yeah. You know, why not do it's that? It's almost like we're all connected, but, but love opens up the blockages. You know, so you and can, why is um, why in your research why is that? What is what is the tone or sound or color since you work in all of those? 
What is that? You know, I I don't think there's a tone. I mean, they talk about the frequency that makes DNA re- repair itself, which is 528, which is on my um, Paint Your Soul CD. It's in the um, Sophigio numbers. But from my understanding, it's I, I, I don't know what the original tone is, but I, I see kind of all that is is like white light. And it, when you break, it goes through a crystal, it, it breaks out into a rainbow or a fractal pattern, which we see all over the place. And it's like one energy just subdividing into parts. And that it's all of that. And for our experiences, we're coming down, you know, maybe, maybe God is all of it, but we come to earth and let's say we have past life. So one life I'm primarily a red, a red or, a, you know, a red color. And the next life I come in is green. And I get all these different experiences because of my own vibration. I attract them. And then I go through duality, the you know the learning of the positive end, like like learning patience and then being tried and feeling very impatient until I can overcome that and become patient again. So I learn to overcome and master um, smaller and smaller segments. So I just I don't know if there is a ma- or if there is a master tone. I don't know it. I just feel like we can look around ourselves and they're all master tones in their own way. They're all holographic. Um, they're all part of the whole, and they all can be combined to make another um, layer of white light or another layer of completion. I don't know if that helps. Well, I and go ahead. Yeah, I built for white light frequencies because that's what comes together when the sperm and the egg come together, and they can't explain how that white light, which by frequency correlations equals ATP, the uh, energy of life. But right I, now, I just, I'm, in a, I, yeah. I'm in a purple stage. Yeah, go ahead. I want everything purple. So we may go through these cycles, like you, you talk about in your, in your lost waves of time, the cycles of learning, the cycles of being, the cycles of uh, creation. I love that book, by the way. Thank you. Um, and, and I, and I so think that's we... the way it is. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was well, just going to say, I... like. <laughs> no, you go. You go first. Okay. All right. No, no, you're going. Think of the. <laughs> <laughs> think of the 1940s. I would say most people would be green. And at this time, you know, United States is a fledgling company country. But we become rich, which makes us powerful. You know, um, Kodak, General Motors, Ford, all these, we rise to a world power and abundance. And so the lesson for green is then the depression. So next you see people primarily vibrating blue. And you see big families. And the old adage, spare the rod and spoil the child, becomes child abuse. And we nurture to me, the final exam is World War II because Hitler was allowed. Not only could have the German people stopped him, so could have the Allies. But you know what? We just didn't want to. He didn't want to dress a big ugly thing, so we just let it slide. And that's kind of like the downside of nurturing is that you enable. And then that kind of breaks down. We get the next stage, which is violet and. We've been in violet for a while, and in violet, people are um, the hippies. They're having marches against Vietnam. The German wall falls. Um, some communist, communist countries fall. Um, we expose our country for its error in judgment in sending people to Vietnam War. Like the Pentagon Papers saying that they were just kind of saving face. They knew this was a bad deal. And we, 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 we are transforming. It's like the answer to allowing. It's almost a response to, to allowing and have things go awful. So you come in and inviolate and you expose things that are not supposed to be. And um, it's to transmute. Your life is, to, is all about that purity and transmutation. And I believe next we're going to roll right into pink. 
like begin the cycle again on a higher level. That's just my opinion. But in pink, you know, the, the positive end is going to be unconditional love. It's going to be action. It's going to be, um, well, Sherry could probably tell you better than I, everything that resonates with red. And I, I think um, that that's how we become white light, is that we experience all of them at some life or another. Not only experience, but become whole by coming white light, because white light um, contains it all. But I also believe that black light contains it all, just the other side. The um, Yes, I'd agree. The balance. Jill, I would agree, absolutely. Isn't some of the things we're talking about things that you teach people in your workshops? Can you talk about that a minute or two? Oh, thank you, thank you. Well, I'm doing one this weekend at fellowshipsofthespirit.org in Lilydale, New York. One on karma, ancestry burning, miasm, clearing energy for your children, um, the country, yourself, addictions, through ancient methods. And then one on connecting to the stars. The idea with the star class is that the older religions passed the flood uh, an earlier age, that religions were connecting to the stars. Look at Stonehenge lining up to stars. Look at the pyramids lining up to stars. Look at the grids on the earth. And that we had um, remembering or histories of coming from the different stars. So to me, it's like earth is like um, a melting pot of different races of man, yellow man, da-da, and... It's also a merging of planets and planetary influences, and it's also a melting pot of souls, because so is above, so as below. So what I'm doing in these series of connecting to the star planets is just reviving ancient techniques to connect, literally, to the highest energy within a star system, and... Um, thread by thread, kind of go through the zodiac and um, lighten up because because we, I believe, that the, the, you know, the planets that people talk about, the Arcturians, the Pleiadians, the um, people from Orion, etc., that um, there are ancestors and we've now woven them all together and you know, we have threads of all of them in perhaps our DNA or energetic lineage. And we're creating white light with all of that. So we're, we're creating white light physically and black light physically with um, combining the physical races with tribes, combining tribes, um, eventually with combining um, countries. Look at the United States and Canada. And most other countries are being absorbed and mixing more. But the same thing is going on in our emotions, in our thoughts, in our soul, in our DNA, in our planetary influences. And I go through all these um, exercises on, on it's really high vibe how to connect with those high energies. And then at some point in time in the future, um, I will put it on a, um, a video and offer it in my sound healing school. And I just get all excited about that. That's great. From what you you know now, how much of this is our ancient teachings that we forgot? Um, I would say that we're adding our own touch to it, our own technology touch to it. Um, But it's all like another layer of the ancient teachings. Um, It's like, it's holographic. And um, you'll find many of the successful scientists are ones that studied the ancient techniques. Um, Tesla, um, Kepler, um, um, a lot of them. And perhaps they were geniuses or perhaps they were inspired by ancient methods. And now that um, I love physics and I love reading about quantum physics, a lot of the techniques are simply quantum physics. They're managing quantum energy. They're doing very advanced stuff 
Now, the techniques are passed down, so they may not understand it in our science terms, but um, it's, um, to me, very effective, and it just dovetails with science. So, I don't know, maybe we're learning about ourselves in a more complete way. I don't know. Sure seems like we have an interesting, we were talking a little bit backstage about this before the show. It certainly seems like we have, you know, maybe this is the the time in which we are now with the kind of conflict going on, even just in the Americas, um, and the kind of, you know, stuff that's happening. Maybe we need a a rash example of something in order to swing, then slowly we'll swing into the pink zone. (laughs) Well, I think the weather's been doing that for us. Think about it. Look Look at the weather patterns in this purple time where you bring out the negative um, cleanse and look at the advanced um, tsunamis, hurricanes. I mean, there's so much different and more severe weather patterns. So, so I feel that's exactly what's happening. It's happening in the earth. It's happening in our governments. And um, I think it's a time when that happens. You can, you can call it like catharsis, or um, you can call it um, karma for a country or something. Um, it could also be that the earth, you know, we're talking about each person being influenced by a predominant frequency. Sherry will get on, and, and she offers that free nano voice where you can look at your predominant frequency if you were to average everything together. You know, like I'm primarily a blue, there, go figure. But at any rate, Hmm. um, it's the same with the planet. And just as, I believe, just as you and I might experience different average tones in a lifetime or lifetimes for sure, so does the planet. So in my way of thinking, we're at the end of a platonic year, according to all the ancient traditions. Every single one says we're on the verge of a new age. And... If you look at like harmonics, which is a, it's the ancient way. You look at nature and see what it does. And Sherry uses harmonics as a, a backbone of her bioacoustics. And so you look at harmonics and you see that it's an after ripple of sound. When you get towards the end, it's very, very dissonant. And it keeps getting worse, 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 worse until the, it, gets, it rolls right into total harmony on your 16th harmonic after your 16th harmonic and to me I feel like the earth is in her very last harmonic and it's um, we're being cleansed and that we can hang on to our garbage and become it or we can observe it and um, rise up and if enough of us rise up like we talked with the octave um, we become so powerful that we influence those that can't. And up the whole country goes, or the whole earth goes, in my hopes, beliefs. Hmm. And I think I, I have a nature, my nature view is that in a certain way with the earth, I'll call it acting up or demonstrating with the radical weather changes. You know, when I work with people back in D.C. and they say, oh, my God, we just had flooding. And then on this side of the, um, you know, on the West Coast, it was suddenly 100 degrees. You know, like, what? There was no warm-up. There was no, like, oh, spring's here. And now it was like, and that. And we have volcanoes erupting, you know, around the planet. And it seems in a certain way I would... I kind of feel like nature is, or the planet is going, hey, hey, pay attention. Things are happening. You know, it's like really acting up in a certain way. And I'm sorry mm-hmm. for the damage mm-hmm. that's occurring for everybody. But, I mean, nature is really demonstrating we need to pay attention and maybe blowing off some mm-hmm. of that charge. Um, so, I, I mean, I agree. it's all, okay. So now I, I, we're going to jump. We're just going to completely jump the shark here. I think this is the perfect time for using jump the shark. Because I want to ask you a question about something that was mentioned in a note to me, that you have a discovery about our wheel and pod is elemental healing. Can you talk about that? Because I think I kind of understand it, but I really want to hear you talk about that. Yes. Well, Sherry and I are working on some um, creating either a new book or 
and or adding to secret sounds with a re re-edition. And um, she requested that I dovetail bioacoustics with um, the ancient healing methods. And lo and behold, you know, um, she does a lot of healing with reciprocals, and that's um, look at the um, Taoism. It's um, that type of a process. It's abundant in ancient history. They copy yin and yang, it's called. Um, and viewing of shapes and colors and using them for healing. It's a big mainstay in antiquity. And one of their biggest things in antiquity is elemental energies and, and harmonics, excuse me. And a harmonic is a natural after ripple of sound. And um, one, of big, one of her big um, backbones in bioacoustics is harmonics. But she always had this wheel and pod, and um, I wish it was brighter, but I, I, when I went through the classes, I never quite understood the difference. But now I do, and the difference is that there's like two methods of healing, and you can see that in the ancient Chinese. They have um, uh, only listened to harmonious tones. So like if you were to play all the black keys on your piano, you can't make a mistake. They all sound good together. They would write about like somebody using a major third, which is something today we find fairly pleasant. And oftentimes you see people hearing that sound and crying and gnashing their teeth. And you, you see that kind of reaction to certain sounds. People can't handle as much dissonance. And that lessened over the ages. But that... Um, there's also that so their music, which would have been used for healing in ancient China with Lao Tzu and the Yellow Emperor, only contains tones that sound good together. Now, our scale that we use today, equal temperament, kind of screws things up a little bit, but just a little bit. And we um, have harmony, like the first, third, fifth, and so forth. We have certain notes that sound really good together. And also through the science of resonance, energy shared through the same note, an octave of the same note, and different sound good notes or harmonious notes. And if you look at the frequencies behind the elemental healing, um, water, earth, fire, and so forth, you put them on a chart and make that chart a musical scale, you'll see Sherry's Wheel and Pod. And so instinctively sherry is healing with harmonics and harmonious tones the two mainstays in antiquity and what's kind of cool about that is that sherry brings forth um observation knowledge uh, discoveries in her wheel and pod like you know she'll say that when the intonation problem is in a certain harmonious note or she would say position on the pod, same thing, then she can tell you the cause. That's something the Chinese didn't know. But if you look at the ancient elemental healing and you see the chart with the circle and it's got water, fire, air, da-da-da-da, you'll see that like fire can put out water and they will have relationships of harmonious tones that temper each other like a seesaw and that could add to bioacoustics. But I was thrilled to discover, and, and now I understand the wheel and pod. It's the two, she has both mainstays of sound healing in bioacoustics, both. Well, she has others too, but those are the two big ones. And I think that's just waiting for further exploration. No, 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 I find it really exciting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. People, people can get a copy of the wheel and pod on our site under soundhealthoptions.com under downloads under nano voice but how this came about is um, here's all the notes and, and this shade of this note goes with this one you know there's 440 as an A but there's 444 so a uh, a whole octave based on 440, you can't make the D based on 444 and the 
C-sharp based on 448. It all has to be based on one uh, beginning note of frequencies and a frequency, and then the others are mathematically related to it. And some of those are on those charts. But how this came about is we started with an entire wheel of C, D, E, F, G, A, B, Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Si, Do, and then found out that when people needed sounds that would reverse a pain or reverse a disease, there were six, one, two, three, four, there were six notes that came up most often. And so that's what we call a pod, because those notes, we began to circle them and as we were using them and trying to find out what we were doing, because this is all backward science. For me, anyway, I didn't know anything musical. And they begin to look like little lily pods. And then we found out dolphins sing to each other in pods. So the name kind of stuck. So the wheel is just all the notes in one uh, scale in a round circle, and or you can put in a list. And the pod is just six of those notes, and they are in fifths and thirds and sevenths like our musical scales, the ones that people like the most, I think. Jill could answer that. But it was all an accident, is what I want to say. <laughs> well, if we have a holographic universe, then the elements, of course, are going to have an octave in music. What I'm saying is that it is the pod. And here's another thing. Um, one of the things that used to trip me up about elemental healing was I would look at the Hindus, for example, and they would say there's different elements, and they would have different elemental healing. And at first, that led me to doubt, oh, this elemental healing stuff, this is bunk. But what I learned over time was that the elemental energy is there, and we all know it in a very gross form. If you think of water, it feels different than a fire. And since we're humans, we do have differences. So people would just feel what a fire feels like, and then they would um, dictate that type of feeling in the personality, a person with a fiery personality. They'd clarify it or classify it as fire. And um, so the Chinese might use the term wood, where or, uh, one, might, one discipline might use the term wood, and someone might use the term earth, and they kind of feel the same. So the labels might change, but the energy doesn't. And actually, if you look at their techniques, they're very similar. And each culture has different applications, and it's kind of like they have different specialties. Um, so don't let going from, let's say, the Hindu elemental healing to the Chinese elemental to the Indian elemental healing throw you. Yes, indeed, they're different, but that's really just the names not the energies. I'm just throwing that out for anybody who works with that to to not get tripped over minor details and look at the big picture and look at the overlays. I'd like to say if you look at the constituents and reduce them to their numeric value, they're all the same. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, and there's an ancient Thank answer. you for that. That's it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Because I well, as you were saying that, I was thinking about how I've sat between an Ayurvedic astrologer and a tradi- what I would call a traditional astrologer, and when I listen to them talk, they're always talking in a slightly contentious way. Well, actually, he, being the Ayurvedic astrologer, is always like, "No, I my information is right," and I listen to them, and they're really saying the same thing. It's just that he's operating from a position of I'm right and you're not quite right. <laughs> and and it's as, as time progresses, I would think that the whole art transforms a little bit because that's what we can access at this point in time. The whole scope changes. The frequencies that influence us changes and therefore our disciplines change. And if you look in the lost ways of time, it's like rolling back the color wheel. It's like the, the, the Hindu they're always wearing the, the Swamiji's are always wearing that orange, their music tunes to that orange red. The Chinese were always tuning to green. And so like that, like they both can do, let's say feng shui, but they're both going to have different flavors. 
you know, like a green flavor of feng shui, which has different techniques than the red flavor of feng shui, which is in the Hindu tradition. And it would be the same in astrology. Like rather than take the contentiousness out and look, from, look to learn from each other, is what I would think. Mm-hmm. And I'm stunned to find we're moving toward the close, but I have to ask this quickly. So what were the what are, color were the American Indians moving toward? What is their focus? Oh. Or, is there a color there? Hold on, hold on. Yeah, you're right. And also, to some extent, um, I'm just I'm just channeling right now because I I I I think Sherry's right that that really hits home. But um, I guess I guess I feel like that they had a a very powerful civilization prior to the last ice age, and that. Um, And a lot of their teachings and methods are bringing back these old ancient ways. And what I'm feeling like is that when we were closer connected to the stars, that um, there were different places on the earth. Remember I said earlier prior to the last ice age that religions would be connecting to the stars. So there would be places, let's say, on Atlantis and Lemuria, and science is showing that land masses change on the Earth over great periods of time. And that, um, you know, so like you'd have a group of Pleiades teachings and workings, and they're going to have their predominant pitch and color and healing methods. And then you're going to maybe have another spot where the Syrians have come. You go to Australia, and it's the doggone Syrians. Um, And so that the um, Indians were, um, um, they're they're reflecting some very powerful, um, let me see how to say this, that when Atlantis and and Lemuria sunk, that the people departed and they took with them the teachings of the various stars and the teachings of the American Indians. um, Of course, there's multiple and they're, they're going to vary. You know, they're not may not necessarily all be from the same star, but um, they're going to take them over to the Americas. And when you learn the teachings from the Indians, and then you can match that to the Druids, and you can match that to, you know, Lao Tzu and friends, and to Buddha and friends, and to the Hindu masters, it's like there you go with the rainbow, and there's all the healing methods, and there's all um, the different... Um, methods and colors and of course they're going to have a predominant color just like india is orange red and the tibetan monks always wear orange red and the hindus was and the chinese were green and i think you are right on it's turquoise for the indians hmm. mm-hmm. 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 we'll that get back to that that represents yeah. the mind and the curiosity of the mind and expansion of the mind and also love of mother nature yeah yeah and really in a way although it can be it has a lot of positive positive things i don't mean to downplay it but science can be limiting of the mind you know when we had all these histories of ancient tradition science said well we can't prove it so it's all superstitious garbage trash it out meanwhile had we had the technology to measure such subtle energies, you know, we would have been able to apply, but we weren't advanced enough. So we just shut down our mental um, possibilities. Well, I remember science, the first time really I... Fair I science. Right. Uh, the first time I heard uh, Bruce Lipton lecture years ago, when his very first book was out, and he introduced the term dogma in Western medicine thinking and dogma was a given, like it was a given belief. It was an agreement within the Western medicine thinking that it's just a thing. That's it. We have dogmatic beliefs and we don't argue with them. And that's, I think exactly what you're saying that they're, that locks it down. Like, no, that's, you know, 
blue is always blue or water is always cold or, you know, I don't know. I'm making those parts up. Mm-hmm. But it's just that it's a fixed belief. It's not a physical, it's not a changeable or mutable. It's a, we're dogmatic about that. And that's, you know, doesn't yeah. seem very flexible. It's an energy blockage. It stops the flow. Mm-hmm. Dogma. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So to be slightly dogmatic, I'm sorry to say we have to go. Uh, <laughs> but I want people to know how to find you where to find out more information about what you're up to which is always like really this amazing (laughs) Uh, so how do people find out about your classes and what you're up to jillswingsoflight.com jillswingsoflight.com and i've got i've got tons of stuff there lots to listen to videos all kinds of stuff information Free yeah. MP3. Boy, howdy. What, Sherry? I said incredible art. Yeah, we didn't even talk about what an amazingly prolific artist Jill is. All of her book covers, all of her CD covers, everything she produces is art. And then she produces other art. It's amazing. I would say when you go to Jill's site, make yourself a cup of tea, sit down, be comfortable, because you can be there for a really long time. It's great. All right. Well, that was fabulous. Thank you so much, Jill. Always fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry. And have a everybody have a great rest of the weekend. And we'll see you on Tuesday. We're talking about something. I don't know. We'll find (laughs) out. Something good. Something an adventure. Thank you. Exactly. Thanks, everybody. Yep. Boy. Have a great rest of the weekend. Bye bye.